The story of Christmas doesn't exactly start with the birth of Jesus. Instead, we have the announcement of his forerunner, the person whose job it was to prepare the world for Jesus' coming, and that's John the Baptizer. This is the story of Zechariah and how he found out he and his wife were going to be expecting a baby. This sermon was originally recorded at Castle Rock Middle School, December 2nd, 2012. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Uh, we just finished up a sermon series. We're pretty excited about that, practical uh, teachings of Jesus that just finished up. So we're going to be starting a new one for the season of Advent. I just called it the Christmas story, and we're going to be following the candles for the next three weeks. And then the 23rd, we're going to be making sandwiches. So normally you'd have a Sunday service to light the fourth candle on that Sunday. But we're going to be making uh, lunches for the homeless. So the 23rd, if you're in town, that's really a fun day. And then the Christmas Eve service, 5 o'clock on Monday the 24th. So we're excited about that. Uh, Advent, as I explained to the kids, is a season of the year which is talking about preparing yourself for uh, the coming of our Savior, which is always good. This is like my favorite time of year and one of the times where like the secular world actually lines up with the church world. There's not a lot of times. I mean, imagine uh, we have the season of Pentecost, which is like 24 weeks long. I've never run into anyone who has anything to do with Pentecost, like just at the mall. I've never run into uh, at a mall that had like a Lent sale. Has anyone ever gone to one of those? No, but, but Christmas, like Christmas is in full swing, isn't it? So the church actually gets ready for the coming of our Savior, and so does the world, which I think is pretty cool, so you can kind of stay in the mood. Full swing. You go to the mall, uh, you listen to the radio, you talk to your friends. Uh, we had family Friday, uh, Friday family fun night. We got to put up the tree, put up the lights, you know, we're all ready. The music's going, we're, we're ready to go. Are you guys all ready for Christmas? Like, in the mood for Christmas? I think this is just about everyone's favorite time of year. I think it's pretty cool. That's what we're talking about today. And Christmas, one of the other cool things about Christmas is you can actually have lists that you can give to people, and it's still appropriate, that say, I want this from you. Is there any other time that that happens? Like July, I can't imagine making a list and giving it to my wife and say, this is what I want from you. This is my list of demands. And we actually encourage our kids to do the same thing, which I think is just pure lunacy. Like, I can't imagine sitting down with my kids. Write down what you want from mom and dad out of this relationship, and we'll see how we go. So we make all these lists. You've made your lists. Um, Kids make them. They give them to their parents. Wives give subtle hints to their husbands what they want. Husbands go buy what they want and give it to their wives and say, can you wrap this for me? This is like all these special things, right? Well, can you think of things, though, that you were so excited about? Um, Something that you really wanted, and then in hindsight, you're like, what was I thinking? Like, just give an example. If you were able to walk through your house right now, and you could just touch an item, someone followed you and said, I will give you whatever you paid in cash for that item right now without any hassle like garage sale or Craigslist or eBay. You just say, okay, I bought this stand. I would like the money instead. How many items would you touch in your house? Like, I think in like 100. That's what I'm guessing. And if you count your closet, I'm thinking like 250. If you just go through, you're like, what, what was I thinking? I've got an example of that. This is now 20 years ago. It truly takes a, a decade to get used to how old you are. Um, this is 20 years ago, and if this will go forward, do you have the thing plugged in? We'll just hang out here and just talk about. Magic. You can't quite see it um, because the light's always so difficult. Exhibit A and B are both cool jackets. 
so 20 years ago, I had this idea. I wanted this Harley Davidson motorcycle jacket, but these jackets, the cool versions, A and B, were really expensive. They were like 400 some dollars 20 years ago, which is equivalent in today's dollar, I think, of $3,000. So they, they're really expensive, and I'm afraid you're not going to see the next one. So I got this idea that, well, maybe I could just get the least expensive jacket that's still leather, and it would be cool. This makes sense, right? I'm this preppy boy at this private school, and I thought, I'm dating Amy at the time. I need to get this jacket. So I'm not quite sure what I was thinking. The, the model I wanted was the El Camino. And can you see, can you, can you picture it with the, the flaps and the buckles and the things? I, I have no idea what I was thinking. I think this jacket comes with cigarettes in the pocket. I'm not sure <laughs> how that worked. I have no idea what I was thinking. Thankfully, my parents intervened, like in this discussion while I'm dreaming of this and praying, like I want this cool leather jacket. It was still like $250. They said, no, I don't think so. How many of you have asked for something for Christmas and, and almost gotten or gotten it, and you're like, what was I thinking? Anyone here got a pet for Christmas? From, it's usually from a boyfriend, right, or a girlfriend. Like they, 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 they only make the one-time expense, which... I just did a little research. A dog costs $1,260 for your first year. Did you know that? A cat, a cat is 11 even if you don't have a bulldog. If, if, your cat is uh, like $1,000. Do you know how much it costs to keep a cat per year? I had no idea. I thought cats were free. $705. If I had any doubts about getting a cat, you're not going to see a cat in my house. $700 a year? We have fish, which means a betta fish costs $6 per year. Um, and we have feeder goldfish, which means uh, they're 25 cents a piece, and you buy a new one every two weeks, so it's about $6 a year. So that's, that's the expense that we have for our pets. Well, well, everyone's got these lists of things that they want, and, and it doesn't matter the time of year, right? I mean, if I came here in November and I said, what do you want? You'd kind of have a list in your head of stuff that you want. Well, it's no different for a couple called an older couple, um, Zachariah and Elizabeth. Things are going well for him. He's got a good job. Um, they love each other. They, they live in God's grace. It says they're blameless in Scripture. They, uh, they're looking forward to the Messiah who's coming. This is all good stuff. Everything's going great, except there's one thing they really wanted. At the end of the night, there's, there's no baby to hold. And I think some of you can appreciate the pain involved and the struggle involved with wanting children and a desire to have children. Maybe you're past that and you're, God blessed you with kids, but there was a time where you're saying, are we ever going to have kids? And Are we ever going to get to hear like a whimper out of that other room? Are we ever going to get to pick colors to paint that nursery? And you can imagine just the pain and the prayers that would have gone up. How long do you make those prayers? Like you're in your 20s, you say, hey, I'd love to have kids. This would be great. Lord, bless me with kids. And then like your 30s, and then maybe you're in your 40s and you're thinking, is this still a good idea? You know, is this still possible? You read about all the medical news. Who here who's reached the, the age of 50 is still praying for children? You know, the prayers kind of end up, they're done, right? This, this is stopped. Well, life goes on. Zechariah and Elizabeth, it says in Scripture, made this prayer, Lord, bless us with a son. That's what we want. Just, just give us this son. This is a big deal. Well, life goes, I got to switch, I'm going to, I don't know what to do. I'm going to, just don't look at the, the El Camino, an equally cool car. So the, um, so Zechariah and Elizabeth, Zechariah goes to work. So usually the priests at that time had a job. They had like a day job. And then when it was their turn, they would go to the temple. This would have been 
exceptionally exciting, at least from my perspective. Um, the temple was built by, do you know, the original one, Solomon. So Solomon, the wisest man, built this unbelievable, it took, I think, 40 years, tons of money, tons of labor, and they built this gold, magnificent structure. Nebuchadnezzar, if you've heard of him, comes, destroys it. And then 70 years later, uh, Zerubbabel, that's hard to say, and Ezra come, and they say, let's rebuild this temple. And they build it, and they get it done, and we're all excited. The people who saw the original one cried, not because they were happy, because they said, this is not even close to what they used to be. Well, they live with this temple for all the way up. This is about 500-some years until they get to a guy named Herod the Great, if you've heard of him. He wanted to make his legacy last forever. So Herod the Great, the same guy with the Bethlehem children, same guy. So he gets this idea that if I build this fantastic temple, I will be remembered forever. So he tears down the old temple and starts building a new temple structure. And it's, it's massive, and I've told you this before. The, um, the temple campus would have been about the size of a high school campus, just huge. And I'm going to show you a picture. Um, this is the temple itself. That this campus would have been way, way bigger. They've been working on it for 15 years by the time um, Zechariah is headed to the temple for his job. And they're just about done. I mean, when you look at history, this is actually a bank, by the way. It's like a resin bank, but it's the best model I had. So uh, they're almost done with these main structures, at least as far as we can tell from history. So imagine how excited you would be. You're going to work, and you've been worshiping like in this kind of dumpy place, or you've been working at this uh, lousy office, and then suddenly this new structure is finally done, and you get to go. Well, while he is there, they start casting lots, which means let's decide who gets to do the special functions of the priests. And lo and behold, it falls to Zechariah. And this is a -a once-in-a-lifetime deal. You do not do this more than once. So Zechariah, I'll just explain a couple things. Here is, remember, where the widow's mite was, where they collected the money, Worshippers would hang out in here. Inside here, I can't stretch that far, and my laser pointer doesn't do anything, I think. Oh, it, ooh, it does. Right there is where they made the sacrifices, actually. There'd be an altar. Inside here is a, a rectangular building that would have been about, I'm going to get this right, 90 feet, which would be about here to the stairs. And it was about uh, 30 feet wide, so probably, I didn't count these squares, but probably about as wide as this. So you're now in the temple. I should have made this exact. That would have been awesome. And it's about 40, 40 feet long, or uh, 60 feet long. I gotta get the right, 30, 40, 30, 60 feet long. So it'd been about 60, so about to the back. So this is close to the Holy of Holies, uh, I mean the holy place. The Holy of Holies is actually a perfect cube, 20 cubits by 20 by 20 by 20. The holy place had a couple things in it, and this is where Zechariah had to work. So he gets ready, he has to present incense before the Lord, and this is a big deal, they do this once a day. And he gets all ready. He has his two friends. You get to pick two friends if you're chosen. He goes into uh, the holy place, drops off his friends, and then he's inside. It would look something like this, if you can see that picture. This is a little small for the picture. And um, just imagine, this side of the holy place is where the showbread is. You've never heard of that. We won't talk about it. There's a lamp, like the uh, Jewish lamps. Have you seen, like the menorah? That would have been over here. And then this altar right in front of this curtain outside, inside that curtain, you know what's inside there? The Holy of Holies, which would have been like the Ark of the Covenant. You were not allowed to go there except once a year. And they were so particular about this. When the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, they were worried, like, what if he dies? How do we retrieve him? So they actually tied a rope 
to his foot. So he would go into the holy place in case, like, there's nothing happening and he dies. They could pull him out without actually going into the holy of holies. God was really serious about this. But inside, just behind that curtain, uh, and that's the exact curtain that ripped when Jesus died on the cross 30 years later. So this is the, the, um, the altar of incense. He's putting this incense on. And remember the first time you gave a speech in high school? Like how nervous you were? And then you're like, actually, I'm, I'm nervous every time I do a speech. So imagine how nervous you'd be. You're in the holy place. You're all by yourself. The only light is the candles going. And you're there, and you're going, okay, don't, don't screw up. But man, look how cool this is. And the first one, you know, like this is the newly remodeled temple and how cool that would have been. And you're right there, and then boom! There's this angel there. If you want to talk about being freaked out, I mean, just imagine like being in your kitchen and you catch your reflection once in a while and you're like, you know, like a ninja. I I don't know what he did. But suddenly there's this angel that was just in the presence of God. And he obviously is freaked out. But the angel, they start a dialogue. Um, When Zacharias saw him, he startled. That's an understatement. And gripped with fear, more accurate. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. Could you imagine this angel delivering you a message that your prayer has been heard? But here's my question. How long do you think it's been? This is speculation. Since they've said this prayer. Do you think just out of habit, like at the end of the night, they go through their regular prayers and they say, Dear Lord, give us a son, and then they go to bed? They could be like in their 60s or 70s at this point. Do you think it's been like 20 years since they've made the prayer? Could you imagine an angel appears to me while I'm here and he goes, Jared, your prayer has been answered. And then he holds up the El Camino jacket. I'd be like, come on. That was 20 years ago. What are you? No way. I'm, I'm just guessing. I'm guessing he has not been saying this prayer for a while. His wife is beyond childbearing age. This is not happening. So he's staring at the angel, and the angel says, all right, don't be afraid. Let me just tell you about this boy. And you are to give him the name John, which is cool. We can go with that. Uh, Normally, he would be named Zachariah after the father if it's his firstborn, but he said John. That's cool. Johnson. Um, He will be a joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth. So he's kind of settling down. He's like, okay, everyone's going to be excited. This child is going to be a joy to me. A couple more things. Uh, For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Wouldn't that be cool? Just imagine you're about to give give birth to a child, and he says, the child you're going to have is going to be great in the sight of the Lord. Not just people, which would be cool, but in front of God. Um, He's never to take wine or other fermented drinks, so he's going to be a little weird. Um, kind of like your homeschool cousin or something like that. But that's okay because Samuel and Samson, they didn't drink wine either. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. To me, this would be the greatest joy. Um, you, you get that new dog, right? What's your biggest worry when you get a new pet? That it's going to be a lousy dog, right? I mean, isn't that everyone's worry? You're worried like we're going to try and train it, we're going to watch the dog whisperer and the whole deal, and it's going to be one of these dogs that is just the worst. That is your ultimate fear. What about with your kids? I'm not saying your kids are going to bite. They just do for a while. They grow it out of it. Somehow it takes them longer than dogs, but that's okay. And so what is your biggest fear with your kids? I think there's two. One is I want this child to do well in the world, in the world's eyes. But ultimately, don't you want your child to know who Jesus is? 
Wouldn't that, isn't that your prayer? And that's why you say your prayers at night. That's why you go through Bible stories. That's why you bring them to church, even though you're tired and you're like, I cannot believe I'm trying to uh, herd these cats in, in church. Why, why do you do it? Why do you have your child baptized early? Why do you, why do you go through the trouble? Why do you go through Bible memory programs so they learn Bible passages so that they know God? And to know an angel comes to you and says, from birth, your child is going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. To me, that's exciting. He says, many of the people will, is, this is what he's going to do too. Many of the people, keep in mind, Zechariah is still staring like this. So many of the people of Israel will bring back to the Lord their God. He's going to go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. That last sentence, unbelievable. Um, just rewind a little bit. Do you know who the greatest prophet of all time is for the people of Israel? Besides John the baptizer, Elijah. It's been like 850 years. And I'm going to just give you a little bit of the resume of Elijah when he says he's going to have the spirit and power of Elijah. Elijah is the one who prayed and it didn't rain in Israel for three and a half years. Elijah's the guy who hung out during that three and a half years and was fed by ravens. I mean, this is getting to be pretty cool stuff. Elijah is the one when a king had a disagreement with him and said, let's go, go get that guy, get him down from that mountain, and let's take care of him. And he says, if I'm the Lord's prophet, fire's going to come from the sky. Fifty men are killed, like fire comes from the sky. The king sends another 50. Happens again. The next time the 50, uh, the, uh, the commander comes, he's like, just have mercy on me. I trust you're a prophet of God. Just have mercy on me. This is the same guy. Um, Ahab and Jezebel, they have this battle on Mount Carmel. This is the same guy who prays, and the fire comes down from heaven, burns up the sacrifice, and all the stones, and they kill 400 prophets of Baal. Same guy. Same guy who raised a widow's son. The same guy who split the Jordan when he was about to retire. The same guy who didn't even die. He got swept up by a whirlwind with the, when the chariots came. Pretty cool, huh? Now, what happens if you're thinking about the greatest person in Israel's history, one of them, the guy who later on shows up with Moses and Elijah, to put it in perspective, one of the greatest of all time, you're thinking about having a child, and the, the angel says, you know what, he's going to have the same spirit and the same power as the greatest human being who has ever functioned as a prophet. In the last 850 years, you'd be like, this sounds pretty good. And what's his job? You always worry about what your kids are going to do to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. We'll talk about that in a little bit. So what is Zechariah's reaction to all this great news? He just went down the resume of his son who is the next big thing. I mean, he could wear a shirt that says, my son is the next big thing. He says, I'm old. You know, my, my wife's old. How's this going to happen? The angel, as you know how the story goes, says you're not going to say a word until this child is born. And he doesn't. For nine months, he gets to think about it without saying a single word, um, which his wife probably didn't mind. But <laughs> we get all the way down to the birth, and he says his name is John, and then he can speak again. Do you think they thought with their simple prayer that they would change the world? I mean, they just wanted a son, right? I wonder if they were alive. I mean, they're older. Are they alive when John, like, leaves the house to prepare people for Christ? And he goes to the desert by himself. Think about how weird that would be. You have this son that you know is amazing and could do miracles and the spirit of Elijah. He goes out into the wilderness and he eats bugs and sugar and just wears camel skin. Are they alive when this happens? Are they alive when he gets to baptize Jesus 
and he comes home to tell him about it. He's like, what happened at work today? <laughs> you won't believe it. I saw the Messiah, and I bat- Are they alive then? Are they alive like when Jesus starts to rise and John starts to diminish? You think they're alive when uh, at a dinner party for entertainment his head is cut off? You know, they start with this simple prayer. Lord, give us a son, and, and God changes the world to prepare people for the one to come. I'm guessing you've got simple prayers like that. And you're saying, Lord, give me a son or give me a daughter. Maybe you're praying that God, um, just make me happy or give me a friend. And that friend is someone that you're able to witness to. And through that, the Holy Spirit changes not just that person's world, but the whole world in a sense. Maybe you came to church. Why do you come to church? Maybe just to meet somebody else. Maybe the donuts are especially good. Um, you come for whatever reason, and you're, th- for, you're just to, to get a little bit of sense of peace, but instead of just a little peace, God says, 2,000 years ago, someone with the power of Elijah came for a reason, and he came to announce the birth of a baby who would live perfectly, who would die on the cross, take all our sins on him, You you just came here to meet a friend and you can leave knowing that God has forgiven your sins. A simple prayer that really changes your world. I think we can uh, probably skip a step. I don't know what you're asking for for Christmas and and maybe you can let God extrapolate all these amazing things with simple prayers that you have, but I think we could probably skip a step, don't you? And just pray that God uses you to change the world. Amen. Thank you.